The Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to the disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Since today happens to be Mother's Day, I think it makes sense to share a scene from one of my all-time favorite television shows, one with the relationship of a mother and daughter at its center, Gilmore Girls. <laughs> at the end of the series, the real end, not the unnecessary Netflix reboot, but the real end, the daughter, Rory, after graduating from Yale, is offered a reporting job for a small online magazine that will follow a presidential candidate on his campaign trail. But the opportunity is one where she'll have to drop everything and go right away. Her mom, Lorelai, is so happy and proud of her, but also feel like she has so much to say, so much advice to give, and not enough time to say it. She has this hilarious, heartfelt monologue. I just feel like I needed more time. I really just feel ambushed, you know? I thought I had so much more time. I thought I had all summer to impart my wisdom about work and life and your future. And I just feel like I had something to tell you. Oh, on the bus, make sure you choose a good seat. You know, because people are creatures of habit, and the seat you pick in the beginning could be the seat you have for the rest of the year, you know. And get a window seat, honey, because there's so much to see. And you might want to sit in the back of the bus, because people there tend to be chatty and friendly. And I don't know what it is about the, the front of the bus, you know, but people there just tend to be a little more bossy and uptight. It's just been that way since first grade. And honey, I know what you're going to say but just don't wear shorts, okay? No matter how hot it is, it's just not professional. Lorelai goes on and on as Rory tries to interrupt her, Lorelai getting more frazzled with each new note of advice. Finally, Rory breaks through to Lorelai. Mom, mom, you've given me everything I need. Lorelai has given Rory everything she possibly could from the day Rory was born. She has loved her even in their rough patches and encouraged and supported and helped her along the way. 
they have each other, this wonderful mother-daughter friendship that will continue no matter where Rory ends up. Rory has her mom's love, and that's everything. In our gospel lesson today, we pick up right where we left off last week. Jesus is still saying goodbye to his disciples. Did I mention that the farewell discourse is so long that we split it between all three lectionary years? We read only a part of it each year. Jesus is leaving the disciples, and he still has so much to say. He wants to prepare them for the fact that he is leaving, for the suffering that is about to happen, but also for the joy that will then follow. And even more, for all of the life that will come after that. This is a goodbye. It's the ending of many things. It's the end of life as they've previously known it. But it's also a beginning. Because the disciples are going to be the ones in charge soon enough. They are graduating. And he wants to prepare them for the future. So Jesus is squeezing in all of the wisdom and encouragement he can during the remaining time that they have together. And maybe Jesus says his goodbye with the calm and the gravitas that the moment calls for. Or maybe there's a touch of Lorelai Gilmore in there that Jesus builds momentum as he remembers all of the things that he wants them to remember. Jesus wants to let the disciples know that it's important to keep doing what they're called to do, follow the commandments. He wants to give them peace and comfort. Know that I will not abandon you. He wants to encourage them. You will receive the advocate who will be with you. He wants to give them hope. You will see me because I live, and because I live, you also will live. He wants to remind them of the most important thing of all, of the love that flows from God and gives shape to everything that they do and unites them with God forever. He wants to assure them that they have everything they need. There's so much that could be said. There are so many things to hold on to and to remember, but it all comes back to one thing, love. That's it. It was God's abundant love that brought them here to this moment. It's God's unending love that continues to give them purpose and to turn the world upside down. The disciples have experienced the love of God, and it is the love that they can never be separated from. It is the heartbeat of everything that they've done with Jesus so far. And God's love will continue to guide them and sustain them. It can be hard to write a sermon about love. Yes, all sermons are ultimately about God's unending love. But writing about love itself, it can feel 
too simple, too cute or something? We're in a consumer culture that encourages us to express love through greeting cards and flowers and chocolates and brunch. And while I personally love greeting cards, flowers, chocolate, and a good brunch, I mean, who doesn't love a good brunch? These expressions of love just barely touch the surface of all that love entails. They are just one way out of countless ways that love can look, giving us the smallest sliver of a much larger picture. The life-changing, world-healing love of Jesus, the love that is going to sustain the disciples in their new call and the church in every age is deeper and wider and completely immersive. And it's definitely not always cute. God's love looks like taking on the role of a slave and washing the feet of your friends. It can look like sacrificing one's own life so that others may live. It includes sometimes uncomfortable things like forgiveness and healing. God's love looks like table fellowship with the one who will betray you. It can look like welcoming the stranger, including the outcast, bringing those who have been left out into community. It might include holding on to hope when logically the circumstances tell you otherwise. God's love looks like standing in between the crowd and the one that they are about to stone. It might include trusting the spit and dirt mud on your eyes or selling all that you have and giving it to the poor or even realizing that a belief you once held was incorrect, changing your course and now living differently. This is the love that Jesus leaves with the disciples, the love that flows from God and through the people of God, the love that will allow the disciples to keep proclaiming the good news. It's big and messy and genuine and uncomfortable and all-encompassing. So when we think of God as love, when we think of ourselves as people of God who are called to love, remember that this love is wilder and bolder and more creative with more expressions than we could ever imagine. Like last Saturday, packaging thousands of meals for our local neighbors, and also for people across the globe who will never meet. That was living in God's love. Or when men's ministry helped a family move. That's hard work. (laughs) Moving is not easy. That is an expression of God's love. When the garden ministry and the green teams encourage us to compost as a church, doing that uncomfortable thing where you have to gently correct the people you love, 
okay, that doesn't go in the garbage. That's living in God's love. Caring for aging parents, tenderly holding their hands as they once held yours, being present so that they don't have to face this scary thing alone. That's letting God's love flow through you. You know, one of the precursors to the Mother's Day that we know was Mother's Peace Day, which began after the Civil War. Mothers were tired of sending their sons off to die, and they protested the carnage of war. That was a courageous act of love. Love can be kind words, a comforting touch, a shoulder to cry on, a listening ear. Love can also be challenging authority, advocating for change, taking a risk, trying something new. There are many ways that love in action can look, but it all comes back to the love of God, the love that God first gave us, the source of all love, love that inspiring spark for creation, love the only hope for our future, love from the Father embodied by the Son, alive in us by the Holy Spirit. As followers of Jesus called to continue his work, we've been given everything that we need.